0: Hello, and welcome to episode five of The Herald's Horn. Today, we have a whole lot of great topics for you, including drum roll, lying in CDH, what's all that about? The pro tour at MagicCon Chicago, a lot more universes beyond stuff. And then of course, we also have the product watch and the co-hosts notebook. After the break, I have something a little bit different for you. We don't have a guest this week, but what we do have is a bunch of people just like you talking about their experiences at MagicCon Chicago. The good, the bad, what they wanted to do, what they didn't get to do, and all of that kind of stuff. Either talking to me directly, or some people were nice enough to record about their experiences and send it to me after the fact. Thank you to those of you who did that. I'll talk about that more in that back half of the episode. All of that being said, let's get right into the news. Hello. This is the Herald's Horn. My name is Cal Jones, and today I am joined by the wonderful Dan. Say hello, Dan. Hi, Emma Partlow. Hi, Dan. Hi, Emma Partlow. Uh, oh, wait. How are you today, Dan? Let's go, what's going on in your
1: neck of the woods? Uh, not too much. It is, uh, you know, suspiciously warm in Philadelphia. It was 65 mm-hmm. degrees today mm-hmm. uh, on February 27th, uh, 2024. So, you know, just thinking about global warming. Yeah, we're much in the same boat here.
0: I'm also thinking about the fact that it's supposed to be 40 degrees colder here tomorrow um, than it currently is here today. And the resulting unstable front means that we may have a tornado warning tonight. Wow. And on that note, run the theme song. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome back. I didn't say it up top, but yeah, we only have Dan today. Thank you for joining me here today, Dan, as the only co-host, but we have got a lot to talk about, so we better jump right into it. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that happened on Magic the Gathering Twitter, we got to get our like Magic the Gathering Twitter report out of the way. Um, lying in competitive f- formats. Some big kerfluffle happened uh, about two weeks ago, nearly now where somebody lied oh no in a cedh game tournament that was happening they said oh please let my grand abolisher or i think it was an actual silence it might have been an actual silence please let it resolve uh i don't i'm not gonna win this turn and then lo and behold they realized they could cast the savines reclamation out of their graveyard to return the underworld breach from their graveyard to the battlefield and uh they won the game somebody posted about it online and was like hey oh, we're just lying in CDH now. It's like, I I get it. Uh, A lot of the CDH games, a lot of the way that people operate kind of relies upon people like quote keeping their word when they say, oh yeah, I'll deal with the next thing or yeah, I can counter the next spell as long as you handle this one implying they have a mind break trap in hand, right? Or something akin to that. Um, But it's weird to talk about that more publicly And it also can very easily be misconstrued by a lot of other people. So everyone had a great time uh, roundly dunking on CEDH because, well, yeah, it's a competitive format and the rules don't require you to be truthful to your opponents unless it's entirely about known information uh, that you're directly asked a question about. So um, I'm not that surprised that a lot of people were dunking on it nor do I actually think that lying in a CDH game is like all that big of a deal. I'm kind of going to be mad about you and mad about it. If you lie to me as, as you know, as the CDH gamers, we both are
1: Um, Dan, what are you going to do if I lie to you in a CDH game? Uh, So I think that's basically what this all comes down to, right? Is like, what, what am I going to do as an individual player? If I'm playing with someone who is a known liar is pretty much what it uh, ends up being because uh yeah, this person lied. They got away with it. I will also note they did not win that tournament. They came in third. Uh and yeah, um it's it's a really weird issue because like, of course, lying is not against the rules. Um I will say that the best people in the format are not who you would call liars, but who you might call manipulators, if you can take the word manipulator away from the sort of negative context of it. Uh, but people who really know how to use their words to be able to manipulate situations in a way that is best for them while also being best for the table. Nice little train echo. If you look at the best players, uh, somebody like Ian, uh, Comedian MTG, uh, if best players in the CDH realm, uh, he is a master talker. That is one of the biggest reasons why beyond him being like a really masterful player in and of itself. He is just really, really good at talking and it really helps him to get past uh, the lower tiers and up through the higher tiers as well, because it's a really powerful skill. Uh, I found it very interesting to see that uh, his old partner in crime, Braden, former uh, CDH player and now retired CDH player, one of uh, really the key content creators in the beginning of the CDH meta, um he asked Ian if Ian ever lies in tournaments, and Ian said no, and Brayden said he was very surprised, and I think that just sort of speaks uh, to the kinds of players that uh, are in these tournaments, so like, a, a big part of what it is is that you can lie, of course, to get a gain in any individual game for sure, but that is then the reputation that you carry with you, the known liar, so people are going to uh, care about your opinion less, listen to you less at the table, and that's basically what it comes down to is that uh, you're just going to have a, a lesser... Uh, a lesser picking in the social hierarchy because uh, you chose to take the take the alternate route, as it were,
0: yeah. and that's that's kind of that's kind of the hard part that we uh, Drake Sasser, known cedh thinker, former member of playing with power MtG, wrote an article about on the topic that came out, I believe yesterday at time of recording about the topic. and And toward the end of the article, he kind of comes around to like his stance is that, like, yeah, lying in CDH, you're like down internet points and possibly up cold hard cash. What is it actually going to look like six months from now? What is it going to look like a year from now? Uh, Because, yeah, I don't think that I could get a- away with like lying in CDH games because like people know who I am and they would remember me and remember that a lot more. I think for more anonymous people, it's a lot easier f- for them to get away with it. I would like to contrast it a little bit. I know it's not like a one to one scenario but right before the whole lying in cdh thing was a big deal or maybe it was like the day after a clip came out that a lot of people were talking about of andrea Mengucci, uh notable magic the gathering uh pro won the first mythic invitational one of those people who just like really loves magic obviously uh a clip came out of them of like their opponent uh trying to counter a spell that Mengucci cast off of a Cavernous hole So was that what it was dan right the, uh, the
1: opponent had uh, the new counter spell No More Lies, which is a mana leak, and they're trying to cast it on a Dragonlord Jermoko, which is an uncounterable uh, creature spell. Oh, OK. Yes. OK. Also, notable co-host, uh, co-host of the show, Emma Hartlow, was uh, commentating this match. That's true. That's so true. Which I thought was so cool. Yeah. What a connection. Um, so uh, opponent like,
0: tried to counter an uncounterable spell, and Gucci was literally just like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. This spell's uncounterable. Pick your card up. Let's not. Let's not let you make that misplay,
1: which I think is just like pretty sick. That's where you want to be pretty much like in your magic career. Like, sure. If you are like, I think, again, it comes down to like how social you're being. If you're in the MTGO queues, we take those all day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also, there's nothing you can do about an MTGO, right? Uh, But if you're in person, if you're Andre Mangucci, like, Andre is a good enough player that he doesn't need to pick up the no more lies (laughs) wins to get through that kind of stuff. Uh, And it's just it's what's the point of having done that in the long run? I think Drake Sasser brings up a great point. If you're trying to win five million dollars, if this is the last game on the line, sure. Yeah, I'll say whatever I need to say to get uh, to get over the final hump. Uh, But if this is just part of your day, you're going to need to get through a lot more matches. And uh, it's it's just going to be a better time if you are being uh, truthful with your opponents and yourself about what is going on in the match.
0: Yep. And speaking of professional magic, the gathering and a uh, competitive magic play and all that kind of stuff, there was a pro tour this last weekend at the time of recording uh, a pro tour, Chicago pro tour murders at Markov manor. It was an awesome pioneer tournament. I don't want to spend a whole ton of time talking about it. I just wanted to point out that I thought it was really cool that number one, it was won by Rakdos vampires, which was a deck that was, i would say kind of unknown coming into the event um 11 people registered it they were all on the same team they were all on team channel fireball uh Mm -hmm. you know that team full of uh notable uh infinite pt pedigree uh plenty of hall of famers all that kind of stuff they said wait yeah soren three meta planeswalker soren that can cheat vampires in we finally got a good enough threat in uh Vein Ripper, which is a 6-drop huge, huge flyer with ward, sacrifice a creature, and whenever a creature dies, each opponent loses 2 life and you gain 2 life. They said, yeah, this is finally good enough. So they took like the uh, red-black mid-range shell uh, and just put those cards into it and made a couple other changes and said sick, this is a good pioneer deck. They were greatly rewarded for that. It was the number one winningest uh, deck on day one of the tournament. and And it also won the event in the hands of seth mansfield post production cow here to tell you that second place went to simon nielsen player of the year last year pretty sick to get player of the year last year and then crush the pt this year right all right back to the show it was a lot of fun on twitter after the tournament or even after day one when it was the winningest deck you got to get got there was a lot of people like lsv having fun showing all the screenshots of moto Grinders being like Rakdos vampires. I wouldn't waste 10 ticks on a league for that. And people are registering it for the pro tour. LOL. Now that was fun. Some of that chippiness around competitive magic is something I, uh, miss from
1: time to time, but I love it. I love that. LSP is always, (laughs) always want to just stoke the flames a little bit on that aspect.
0: Yep. So it's, it's nice to have the pro tour. It's nice to have the pro tour back. Um, there was some other stuff that happened at the Pro Tour that we could talk about, but I don't want to. Um, I didn't pay attention to it. Honestly, I'm not a Pioneer person. That's that's fair. Actually, there was one more thing I wanted to reference. Uh, one of the games, one of the matches in the semifinals, it was a first to three wins. A lot of people call it best, uh, best of five games, but it's actually like first to three wins match that went for seven games uh, before it concluded because... One of the decks was Amelia Combo, which features the card Amelia. Uh, The notable rules text on this creature is whenever a creature you control um, explores, you, uh, whenever you gain life, um, Amelia explores. uh, And then there's, and then when she gets to 20 power, you destroy all other creatures. The other notable card of the deck is Wild Growth Walker. Uh, We have talked about this on the podcast. Uh, Go back. You can find more about it. Yeah. Um, At the last pro tour, actually, the last pioneer pro tour, um, wild growth walker, whenever you explore, put a plus one plus one counter on wild growth walker and gain three life. Obviously, this creates a scenario in which Amelia will infinitely explore until she gets the 20 power and then blows up all creatures except for herself, including the wild growth walker that was causing you to gain life. And then you like swing with the 20 power uh, 20 power Amelia and win the game. The opponent's deck was Boros Convoke, which is a pretty slick aggro mid-range, kind of they go all-in on a couple dudes and just like kill you really fast. Because of their all-in nature, they do play a couple spells that give some of your creatures indestructible. It can't give any creature indestructible, sorry, any target creature indestructible. So the Boros Convoke player in that matchup caused several draws by in response to the Uh, Amelia player trying to start the combo they gave the Amelia players wild growth walker indestructible so Amelia could not blow up the wild growth walker and the Amelia Mm. and (laughs) wild growth walker went infinitely causing like a hun gain state a hung game state, which forced a draw and they had to play another game rather than the Amelia player winning. That's amazing. That's some, that's some super smart playing. I love that. The Amelia combo player did still end up winning the game, but it took them because of several forced draws where the Amelia player would have won. Otherwise it took them seven games to get to the three wins they needed to win the match.
1: I just think that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Clean magic right there. That's, that's some Richard Garfield magic.
0: Uh, Moving on, moving on from that again. Great to have the pro tour back. Um, some more sneaky news that released this week, uh, wizards kind of put out a thing that was like, Oh, update to what's going on. Um, and they said they will no longer be producing cards, um, in Chinese simplified after Bloomborough. They also will not be, uh, producing cards in Portuguese after MH3 and Russian after MH3 as well. um, Chinese traditional, I believe, was also removed from the rotation a few years ago. So I think this just leaves us with no Chinese cards of either traditional or simplified at this point in time. And then also, I I also think that like Russian has like not been made pretty much ever since the start of the Ukraine war. Anyways, they're not really distributed. Unsure about that fact, but I guess they're just like officially shutting it down Um, here's the full actual text after Modern Horizons 3 Magic's core tabletop languages will include English Japanese, French, Italian, German and Spanish, while not all products are available in all languages, our premiere sets and other ancillary releases will focus on these six languages Magic the Gathering Arena will continue to support English, Japanese, French Italian, German, Spanish, Portuguese and Korean Um, so we already lost we lost Chinese traditional, we lost Korean in the past, um Russian hasn't technically been produced in a while I don't think but now Chinese simplified Portuguese and Russian are also no longer going to be put onto Magic the Gathering cards. Dan, do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Uh I unfortunately have a very like small scope of experience with this but I do know that this is something that is bothering us uh, specifically the Brazilian uh, Magic community quite a bit which is really unfortunate because uh I understand uh, the article references the fact that many people in these countries prefer to buy uh, English cards. I know that that has been true uh, of many of my friends that I've had in European countries and uh, uh, in non-speaking or non-English speaking European countries. Uh, but it is also just this thing of it, this is just one in a series of things that have happened or not happened to the Brazilian community uh for magic for a really long time they've got no one that's really representing them uh in the commander advisory group they've got no one that's really representing them uh for wizards in general and it just stinks to see uh more accessibility being taken away from people
0: yep i think that's kind of the long and short of it i do especially specifically feel for uh Brazilian and Latin America in general, like player base, they've kind of just gotten a real rough run of it over the last five years. They haven't been able to get
1: secret layers forever. Yep. It's just no secret
0: layers. Cards are really expensive there. The whole uh, like Wizards team that handled anything down there was quietly shut down a couple of years ago. Uh, None of the creators get there, get much of any support. So it's just it's they've always struggled like. It's a miracle that we have as many awesome Latin America pro players as we do because the system down there has never been great. And they've always had to travel really far distances to get to any of the events. So it's just another way that like the Latin America, Latin American uh, community is just not being treated well by wizards. And you always hate to see that.
1: Yeah, it's really unfortunate because even apart from the size of the community, which it is absolutely gigantic down there, I have, as long as I've been a content creator, a large portion of my fans have always been from Brazil, but it's just like the passion of Brazilian magic fans is just so high. They absolutely love magic in a way that it's like flabbergasting to me. Honestly, (laughs) they love magic so incredibly much as so many people do and you know. People deserve to have more recognition uh, for their love of magic from a company that is so huge and frankly capable of doing these things.
0: Yep. I totally agree. Um, It would be nice if we could have as many languages as possible so that magic could be as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. Moving on. Once again, uh, this could like maybe go in the product watch, but I want to talk about it here. Anyways, two Tuesdays ago, um, Before our last episode was technically released, but uh, after we had recorded that episode for the week, um, there was another kind of sneaky news release, I think it was like first reported on by IGN or or a similar site like that, Um, that said, actually, Wizards has been liking Universes Beyond so much that they are going to, instead of doing one premium, which is like draftable full release, uh, instead of doing... One premium set a year uh, for universes beyond the most recent one, of course, being uh, Lord of the Rings and the next one on the uh, in the pipeline being Final Fantasy. They have instead said they are planning starting in 2025. They're going to do two. Uh, the second one for 2025 will be Marvel and uh, Marvel related. And they have also said that it is their plan to do two a year for the foreseeable future. Um, I wish Emma was here so we could just like get an exasperated sigh bit out of her, Um, because I could do my best British. Yeah, psi, but can I you give don't me don't an her. Emma Partlow sigh about this expansion of the universe's beyond line? Wait, I, I, hold on.
1: <sighs> is that good? I th- I feel like that was kind of good. Yeah, I, I'd give that like an eight out of ten. I give that an eight you. out of ten. All right. So is, now that we uh, not perfect,
0: but it was there. now that now that we know what Emma thinks about this, Dan. Do you, do you have anything to say about this? I would say it's like not surprising, but it's kind no, of frustrating of to me. I I wrote about it. I, sorry, I asked you, and now I've started talking about it. I wrote a thread <laughs> about excited. it, and like that to me was like, for whatever reason to me, that was the line. I have always been a person who's kind of been like, universes beyond? Cool. Secret layers? Cool. Lots and lots of product? Cool. I'll find the stuff that I want later. I can deal with it. But for whatever reason, like one universes beyond big set to two universes beyond sets of gear i do like the basal setting of magic the gathering i like magic the gathering cards that look like magic the gathering cards i like all the other stuff too but it feels like we're definitely getting to the point where inevitably the universes beyond stuff is going to be so prevalent that it pushes out a lot of the other
1: stuff that we've had for so long and that is so cool and that to me is frustrating and scary mm-hmm. well cal if you like uh magic planes so much guess what return to ravnica 5 <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. <laughs> now, um, I I sort of feel similarly. I guess um, this is my uh, perhaps very naive opinion. Mm-hmm. How sustainable is that idea? How many Lord of the Rings, Final Fantasy, uh, Star Wars, I'm sure, coming somewhere down the pipeline? Like how many of these gigantic IPs are there out there that we can make like? Again, we don't know exactly what these are going to look like, but presuming they are modeling this after Lord of the Rings, we're going to see a huge set, um, some sort of supplemental set, maybe these holiday gift boxes. So like huge set, a littler thing, and then maybe some sort of like gift packages sort of thing down the line too. like, I don't know how many of those IPs are there in the world? How many times can we do that before we need to do something else? I don't know.
2: Yep, I guess
0: we'll only have to wait and see. Uh, With some of Wizard's track record, they may, like, release Marvel and then, like, be like, actually, we've decided we're going to do no premium universes beyond sets because Assassin's Creed and Final Fantasy flopped.
1: It's totally possible. Yep. I mean, they're, uh, like, a huge company, and it does take them a long period of time to make certain decisions, get certain things through, like, R&D and card design, for example. But to make much bigger decisions or, like... "Quote unquote," much bigger decisions like that that are like really affecting the like baseline of the company. It's a lot easier to see like, oh, this just doesn't work, and we're not going to put that much more money into it because there's no point in doing it. And that is
0: all we have for the news. So we
1: are Actually, going to. Actually, go- uh, there oh. is one more thing uh, that I wanted to bring up. And that is uh, I know this is a smaller sector of the community, but the Warhammer 40K pre cons have finally been released on MTGO. And I think it is going to be very big for the uh, legacy community. I was talking a bit with Anarag Das in uh, a little group chat that we have among some of the MTG ambassadors. And he was extremely hyped. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that uh, ooh, something St. Catherine, the triumph um, of St. Catherine. Thank you. Is, uh, is that's like going to be a the very big ultimate introduction.
0: White X Durdly legacy deck wincon. Yeah, uh,
1: that chaos defiler and some other mm-hmm. things. And it's it's going to be really exciting. It's going to shake up the online meta a lot, which will be very interesting because these are things that have only existed thus far in the paper meta for legacy, which is, uh, of course, like so regionally uh, sectioned off in many ways. So uh, I'm excited to see what the wider worlds of legacy players does with uh, these new cards in the minute. It's going to be really exciting. Me as well. I am very excited that they finally decided to release
0: these. Um it'll be it, it'll be so nice uh that in many ways uh Magic the Gathering Online Legacy will finally get to match paper legacy again. Um the people who play Commander on Modo, I know there aren't many of them, but they're out there. I'm sure they'll like the cards as well. MTG um,
1: Goldfish crew are gonna be hyped.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um but it's real exciting and to bring in a legacy person that I was talking to recently, um, at, I, I was at Magic Con Chicago this this previous weekend. Um, not going to really talk about it much on the podcast, but I did room with uh, Brian Koval, Bosch and Roll, and we were talking about that a little bit on the way to dinner, um, and he's really excited, obviously, for it. He said, like, <laughs> he had, like, budgeted for his, you know, the business of Bosch and Roll, the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. He just had budgeted like line item i'll pay whatever it takes to get these cards if they ever figure it out type of thing and then they finally did it um he is concerned about the how whatever they figured out with um uh games where uh work workshop games workshop yeah games workshop the company that makes 40k they uh, the full pre-cons are on sale for a period of two to three weeks you can only buy the full pre-cons and then they will not be for sale anymore and uh they are not going to be available as cards to use in future instances of the magic the gathering online all access pass which is something you can buy that's just like wow here have a gold god account for two weeks um they're not going to be available in that either so he he um he he may he referenced it as something as like a second reserve list for magic online yeah um so Uh, unless Daybreak or Magic and Games Warehouse can figure out some new way to get those cards on the platform a second time um, it'll be very interesting to see how people who want to get those cards in the future can get those cards because I can't imagine that like even the the rental services like Mana Traders and stuff I can't imagine they want to shell out effectively $40 right for a pre-con to get one
1: copy of Triumph of St. Traft Uh, Triumph of St. Catherine They might be even more than that, yeah. And you gotta to have to imagine that they're a very. Uh, even though this is a digital platform and they're digital copies of these cards, there is a finite amount of them uh, yep. in the world. So yeah, like I, I would assume that the rental price on them, if they were going to do them, would be astronomical. Honestly, uh, that's very interesting. I hadn't heard that. Um, maybe this is a situation where eventually these cards get reskinned uh, as uh, in-universe cards. That's probably the easiest way to try to do that around that.
0: I know that's always been people's like number 1 hope. Uh is like, "Hello Daybreak Games, can you just release Triumph of Ulamog And it's the exact same card but in inside of Magic the Gathering?" Um which that would that would be awesome. Um it does seem yeah. like somewhere along the way it was like one of the very first universes beyond deals, one of the very first universes beyond things we saw. I would not doubt if whatever the whatever the rights to do with those decks were they were not in magic the gatherings favor at all and i think we're kind of continuing to see that
1: yeah i would be very interested to uh to know exactly what the parameters of that were because it does seem like uh it, it seems like the hold is pretty tight on them
0: open the books wizards open them <laughs> up and that is really all we have for the news so that <laughs> means we are going to be moving on to the product watch Welcome back to the Product Watch, the section of the show where we talk to you about as many of the products that were released in the last two weeks since we last recorded an episode that we can bear talking about without running the long uh, runtime of the podcast too long. First up, Sheldon's spellbook. Uh, I think this is one of the this is maybe one of the only products in history that I've been excited to talk about on the podcast. Um, this is, of course, a secret layer um, commemorating. Celebrating Sheldon uh, Menery, the godfather of EDH, um, who tragically passed away from cancer um, late, mid, late last year. Um, so uh, this was a secret layer that already was in the works uh, well before he passed away and was originally concepted as something to like just celebrate him. Um, Gavin Verhey in a th- quite um, touching uh, Good Morning Magic YouTube video laid out that when he was making the product he was he was the 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 design lead on the product um it was always his hope that and and intention that sheldon was going to be able to just play with these cards um that he had a hand in making and all that kind of stuff and um and he would get to play with them but tragically that did not happen so we have the sheldon spell book it has um plenty of awesome cards including soul ring command tower um uh, ink shield a card that Sheldon himself had a heavy heavy hand in designing um, all with new art all with flavor text uh, chosen by Sheldon's closest friends to commemorate him um, and all art that Sheldon actually had a hand in like choosing and directing choosing the choosing the artists for helping uh, make the concepts and direction for the art and even got a chance to um, approve some of the final sketches and stuff before he passed away Um It's on sale now, actually, uh, as of the time of recording and the time of release. And unlike many other secret layers, which we've talked about recently, this is a print to demand pre-order product. So if you pre-order it, you can pre-order as many copies as you want. It will not sell out. You can buy 60 copies on the last day of sale and you'll have no problem doing that. And they will print it and they will send it to you. Um, And also, most notably, half of the proceeds are being donated to the America uh, Cancer Association Sheldon's charity of choice for obvious reasons. Um, I think this is pretty bog. I'm trying
1: to save up some money to buy a couple of them because, you know, got to have them. Yeah, this is honestly one that I would love to have multiple copies of. Um, But, Cal, don't you also think that this is a huge money grab and it's the most shameful thing that's ever happened in Magic's history and also... Um, I think this is a really awesome, uh, bundle of cards, uh, the really gorgeous artwork. It is very clearly like a very loving tribute, uh, to Sheldon. And, uh, yeah, it's just amazing that it's the thing that he got to work on very closely and, uh, something that is going to, uh, I guess, unfortunately, uh, be a very great, uh, remembrance of him. Exactly.
0: And moving on in the products, uh, the fallout, F- uh, universes beyond Precon decks and collector packs, are here um i don't have much to say about this product but that's because i just have never
1: engaged with fallout dan are you a big fallout head Oh yeah, I love Fallout. Um, I'm a newer convert to it, so I've only really played New Vegas and 4 and a little bit of 3, so there's a lot of the early lore that I'm not very aware of, and there's a lot of card references that are uh, over my head. Um, But I love it. I love the set. I think it's super, super cool. Um, I've taken a look through uh, the pre-cons, and the lists are super hot. I love all the cards in them. They look really fun and thematic. I'm not a super huge fan of the alternate arts in the set. The, uh, the pit boy, um, like instructional screen arts with the little cartoon pit boy. Those really are for me. Not really my style of magic art in particular. I think the, the, uh, the like digital pit boy screen ones where these are scanning creatures uh, the whole ricker horror one is the one that I like specifically remember. Those are kind of cooler to me. I enjoy them. Um, overall, I think it's going to be a cool set. Another cool addition to the universes beyond commander Precons. They all seem extremely strong and I think we'll similarly to the Warhammer uh, 40K precons be uh, quite a bit stronger than the average precon, con um, But they seem like they will play well together and they look like a lot of fun. Well, sicko bode. Maybe I'll have
0: to pick all of them up as long as they don't cost a million billion dollars. Also, over the weekend at MC Chicago, there was a big old, big old preview panel as they have been doing at uh, these events. I historically have gone to them. I didn't get the chance to go to this one. But thanks to people such as Emma Partlow, I could just keep up with them on Twitter.com and check out all the stuff they previewed. Uh, They showed off a bunch of cool Eldrazi that are coming in Modern Horizons 3. Uh, But of course, some of the closest look was at Outlaw at Thunder Junction and Bloomborough, which are two of the upcoming standard sets that I both think is pretty awesome. The most notable reveal from Outlaw at Thunder Junction was Nathan Stowers, World Championship preview card entitled Duelist of the Mind. It is a two drop one in a blue creature. Human advisor are the types It has flying and vigilance. Its power is equal to the number of cards you've drawn this turn. And a, a little bit of a difficult rules text here that we don't exactly fully understand yet. Whenever you commit a crime, which is a new keyword that they didn't actually reveal what it is. There's been a lot of speculation. You may draw a card. If you do discard a card, this ability triggers only once each turn. Um, I love the World Champion card series. Um, I think it's just such a great thing that a lot of people get get to be added into the game for kind of reaching the pinnacle of Magic the Gathering competition, which is winning worlds. Uh, this card looks pretty awesome. Seems like it has like a really high ceiling and a really low floor, which I think is a cool spot for a
1: Magic card to be in as well. Um, honestly, I think the floor is pretty high, like one, three vigilance, uh, flying vigilance for two manas. Like, yeah, I guess, I guess the power is always one cause you'll
0: have drawn a turn except on your opponents. Oh on yeah. Your sure. Opponents turn. It's power is zero. So it like may not be a great blocker unless you have ways to draw cards. Otherwise, it's yeah, got three toughness. Pretty good blocker. Three toughness is pretty good. It's just not going to be trading much is what I meant. No. Um, but
1: I guess if committing a crime is real easy, then this card will do quite well. Um, yeah, so I didn't realize that this hadn't been revealed yet because I saw someone, I guess, speculating on Twitter earlier today that committing a crime, uh, was targeting an opponent's creature with a spell or ability.
0: Yeah, I could see it being that some other people put it akin to like actually killing an opponent's creature or removing one of their permanents, kind of like the inverse of revolt, uh, back from Mm. Aether revolt, where if a permanent you controlled entered the battlefield, this turn, your cards got better. Some people speculated it's the opposite of
1: that. Some people said, what if committing a crime is like drawing a card? (laughs) It might be something along the lines of like historic, though, that like encapsulates a few different actions, maybe or like a few different kinds of things uh, in terms of like historic being an artifact enchantment or legendary, whatever.
0: Yep, exactly. Uh, But we'll just have to wait and find out. And then they also talked a lot about Assassin's Creed, an upcoming straight to modern set that has a weird booster release because it isn't a full draftable set. It's just a bunch of cards that you can buy in packs. I don't, I don't get it. I, I also have never played a single Assassin's Creed game except for several I. hours of Black Flag a couple weeks ago. Um, so don't have much to say about that. What kind of podcast host does that make me? Yeah, you said that about a couple things
1: already. We're, they're going to cancel us. I know. We're done. Harold Horn has run out its usefulness. We're done. <laughs> I saw the one Leonardo da Vinci card and I thought that was a really interesting card. Um, I didn't realize that they might be pulling like uh, literal people from history and making them into magic cards. So honestly, under that, guys, I'm more excited about uh, this than I have been.
0: Yeah, certainly. That certainly is. a There's going to be, I think, like several of those. They showed off another one as well. Cleopatra was the other one they showed off. Cleopatra exiled mm-hmm. Pharaoh. I haven't seen this um, one. It is a Golgari card, too a black and a green at the beginning of your end step, put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two target other legendary creatures. Whenever a legendary creature with counter on it dies, draw a card for each counter on it. You lose two life. That's kind of sick. That's a fun card design. Yeah. Um, I could see them doing cool stuff with that. Then there's also Leonardo da Vinci while we're at it. Two and a blue legendary creature, human artificer, any artificer fans out there. Yeah, I am three blue, blue, as a cost for an activated ability until end of turn thopters you control have base power and toughness xx where x is the number of cards in your hand that'll kill people real quick That's
1: what i'm thinking right like that seems like a fun casual artifact or like thopter artifact commander for sure just like yeah pay
0: five mana however many thopters i have which is probably a lot because there's a lot of blue cards out there which can pump them out um uh, there are five fives now boom yeah Uh, He also has another activated ability two and a blue and tap draw a card, then discard a card. If the discarded card was an artifact card, exile it from your graveyard. If you do create a token, that's a copy of it. Hello, except it is a zero to thopter artifact creature with flying in addition to its other types. So he's also a weird artifact clone token creator guy. So this guy, this guy
1: kind of rips. Maybe I care more about uh, assassin's creed now. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, it's pretty cool. Like, this is like if Psy was a cool Sigma Alpha Wolf. Yeah, I mean,
0: I've always thought of Psy as kind of like an Alpha Chad, too. But, I mean, if we're just going to get a... (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, that's all we have for the product watch. I would say this was kind of a Giga Chad Alpha product watch that we had to talk about this day. And speaking of Giga Alpha Chads... It's time to move on to the co-host's notebook. Welcome to the co-host's notebook, the recurring section of the show where my co-hosts, for once, get to decide about what we talk about. It can be about magic. It can be not about magic. The only rule is that it has to be something that the co-host has in their metaphysical notebook. Dan, do you have anything for us this week as the only co-host on this episode?
1: Well, obviously I will be taking us back to the Fortnite corner. Now, uh, I have no more Fortnite l- related news to uh relate to everyone. Um actually a few friends of mine have uh have gotten me a, a Nintendo Switch as a gift and I have been knee deep in playing Breath of the Wild for the first time in my life. Wow. It's been that an is, amazing uh,
0: experience. That is a such a big jump actually. I'm I'm so happy for you. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's great. Um, it's not a thing that I had ever really thought about a whole lot, but my friend was just <laughs> I have a friend who I play a lot of video games with. He my Fortnite friend. Uh, I got him very big into Resident Evil over the past year. And uh, likewise, he has been like talking up uh, uh, Breath of the Wild to me for so long. And I've just been sort of like pretending I don't need it in my life. I've very much been this dried out SpongeBob meme. Uh But yeah, uh, it's been so much fun. I've had so much fun just doing almost absolutely nothing so far. It's just such a just wandering around just being like, whoa, that's awesome. Oh, okay, I ran across a shrine. I guess I'll do that. Woohoo! You can like run on everything and touch everything. It's a really fun experience. I keep getting my ass beat. It's so hard. Oh, my Mm. God. I did not understand how hard this game was going to be, Um, but I love it. It's great. Heck yeah. And honestly, I am so
0: jealous of you for getting to experience that for the first time, because I think that's like one of the most formative, um, one of the like most formative or not formative, but most fun and eye opening gaming experiences I've had. And I'm also so jealous of you that when you're done with that, if you're up for it, you can just jump directly into the tears of the kingdom rather than having to wait. Like uh, let's see, six years. Yeah, four, five, six years. Like all the rest of us scrubs had to.
1: Yeah, so I immediately went to my Discord uh and was like, "Hey, everybody! Like my friends got me a Switch. I'm going to go to the local vintage video game store tomorrow." Which one of these do I get? Is it necessary that I play Breath first? And one of my patrons was like, oh, that game changed my life. You need to play Breath first. And I was like, okay, that's the review I needed. We're playing Breath first.
0: And I I think that's the kicker. Like, I think that Tears of the Kingdom is just like an objectively better Breath of the Wild in a lot of ways. But I think you would be massively
1: missing out if you just jumped ahead. That's what seemed to be the general consensus is that like lots of quality of life upgrades in Tears, but Breath is really like the experience to be had. For sure, for sure. And then when you're done
0: with that, you should play uh, the new poker roguelike taking the world by storm, Balatro. No, I, I won't talk about that.
1: I need to, um, I need to get updated again on Pokemon games because I, I, literally have not played a game of Pokemon since oh, Gen Two. So like, I don't know, I don't know Holy any Pokemon. Moly. I don't know what goes on on Switch Pokemon. I've seen some images of like the 3D Pokemon worlds. Mm-hmm. I want to partake. I don't know where mm-hmm. to start though. If you've got any uh, Pokemon Switch suggestions, I'm well, all
0: ears. If I had such to suggest, I would suggest. Two of them to you personally. Mm -hmm. Um, A big problem with a lot of the switch games is that they're technical wrecks. Uh, Games. Game freak has not figured out how to develop games for the Nintendo switch. And it very obviously shows. Um, And like all of them are fine. But the ones I've really enjoyed are the uh, diamond and pearl remake. I would especially recommend that to you. If you have not played a game since gen two, because gen five is my personal favorite. So therefore I'm obviously biased. And I think you should pick that up and try it out because they're delightful And then Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, which is an open world ish Pokemon game that entirely leaves behind the traditional uh, gameplay of the series. And you're just like a part of a like research school and your job is to go out and just catch Pokemon. And there is like combat in the game, but it's like weird real time combat where the only purpose is to like keep the Pokemon from attacking you directly and to lower their Mm. health so you can catch them. And then you go back to the village, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to craft more Pokeballs, because we're in the ancient history, and I have to craft Pokeballs myself. Then you go back out and do it again. It's a really fun gameplay loop. It's
1: also kind of a technical mess, which makes me really sad. Uh, that is a bit of a bummer, because I did see some yes. screenshots of that when people were suggesting it as, like, being one of the ones that was, like, really good. It's really good,
0: and it's really held back by the fact that Game Freak doesn't know how to develop Nintendo Switch games. But... They just announced the second Pokemon Legends game today coming out in 2025.
1: So by then I can see if they
0: figured it out. So that's what I would say.
1: That's kind of what I've been thinking is maybe like just get one of the older ones and then just wait for a remaster to come out when some of the stuff is more ironed out.
0: I would agree with that take, Dan. And on that note, that is all that I have for this episode of The Herald's Horn. Dan, do you have anything to leave our listeners with?
1: Uh, no, everyone, be good to yourselves, be good to your neighbors, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening.
0: Hey there. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to help both me pay my bills and pay the bills of the co-hosts, consider supporting us on Patreon. For just $5 a month, you can support the content you hear about directly, officially becoming a trumpeter, or whatever the official Harold's Horn fan title ends up being. It's contentious at this time. If you back us, I'll even send you a sticker in the mail. The link is in the podcast's description. All that being said, let's get back into the episode. It was a big weekend at MagicCon Chicago. Uh, Tons and tons of people gathered together in what felt like a relatively small room to celebrate all things Magic the Gathering. Of course, some people had a great time. Some people had less of a great time. Here are some of those people who attended MagicCon Chicago talking about their experience.
3: So, uh, hey, can you tell me your full name? Tony Hendricks, also known as Tony Pineapple. Tony what? Tony Pineapple.
0: All right. Uh, why did you come to MagicCon
2: Chicago? Uh,
0: to play CEDH for the first time. Yeah, you, you learned C D H. Uh you, you won our game, right? Yeah, first game ever. won. So, so you're pretty high on C D H in the future.
3: I'm loving it already, yeah. Okay. And, Dan.
0: and what? And Dan Dan. Yeah, you just you just played Dan Dan with me, the weird eighty card format that so many people love. What did you like about it?
3: Uh it seemed nonsensical. I like it. It's like uh it's just blue stuff. It's doing blue stuff things. I love it.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Are you are you looking forward to doing anything
3: besides learning CDH and learning Dan Dan? That was the main reason. Uh I guess meeting other people that also enjoy Magic. That's it.
0: Yeah. So you've been have you been having a good time? I'm loving it. You'd go to a con again? I I will, yeah. Have have you been to any of the other ones? No,
4: no, this is my first one.
0: Have you have you been to many other like magic events? No, not at all. I started playing only less than a year ago. Okay, so so what's it like being in an environment where there's like a, approximately a billion people only doing magic? It's surreal.
3: It's it's different. Like I don't know what I expected, but it's different than what I expected, and it's, it's it's exciting to see everyone that like enjoys the same thing you know dorky thing I like. So yeah.
0: Have you uh, walked around the vendor booths and talked yourself out of spending
3: hundreds of dollars? Yeah, I walk, it, it didn't take a lot to talk me out of it, seeing the prices on some of the stuff. So it was really nice to look at, but not hard to not spend the hundreds of dollars on stuff I don't need.
0: Well, thank you for spending exactly two minutes with me. Thank you. Hey, uh, what's your name? Elliot Dewick. Uh, where did you come to Magic on Chicago from? Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And what about it? Uh, what about Magic on Chicago interests you in the first place?
3: Uh, big fan of Magic: The Gathering. Love playing games with uh, everybody I can. So you know that's why we had to show up.
0: Would you say that you're? Um, would you say that you're a fan of Chicago, Illinois?
3: Yes, because Chicago is the city and Illinois is the state, and I'm a fan of both of them.
0: What did you ever really? Anything you were really looking forward to coming
3: to the event? Uh, you know, seeing uh, a bunch of people that I haven't seen in a long time. You know, I'm a big fan of um, Cal, um, formerly of uh, Playing With Power. I think he's on to something new now, but, uh, you know, always love to see that guy. Yeah, thanks. Uh, have you
0: have you had, a, have you had your favorite moment yet? Was it watching your Winnipeg Jets beat the brakes off the Chicago Blackhawks in, over- Black in overtime? You know, I, I actually didn't go, but I did hear that Okay, we- that's the end of this interview. <laughs> you know- hey, uh, what's your name? My name is Karen. Karen, where'd you where'd you come to MC Chicago from?
5: I live in Chicago, so it was Oh, in so Chicago. yeah, a real a
0: real long commute?
5: Uh yeah, yeah, an hour long one. But I'm <laughs> originally from Turkey, so like it was you know much longer than that if you take that into kick
0: It makes sense. Is this your first Magic Con?
5: No, this is my second. The first one was Minneapolis. Okay, sick, sick, sick. Yeah. What what about it what about MagicCon made you wanna come through? The fact that it's in the city that I live in was definitely a big factor. And some of the content creators that I've been engaging with in their discords and such, I thought it was a good opportunity for to come and play with them. So, yeah. Have you gotten to get those games in? No. Yesterday was all about getting stuff signed or buying stuff. Um, but today, I think, is going to be entirely for gaming. Heck, yeah. So yes. Yeah. I think, that's,
0: I think that's I think that's one of the weird parts of these weekends is that everyone always has aspirations and you have to be okay with getting to do like 70% of it.
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this is my first con that I'm actually spending two days at Minneapolis. I was only there for one day. Oh, damn. Uh, I had a friend come in from Minneapolis yesterday and I was here with them yesterday. None of them play CDH. So we were just playing some casual games and then getting some stuff signed, but none of them were down to play CDH. So I figured I'll come here on Sunday without them and actually put in some... CDH games in by myself and some friends from the local Chicago scene as well. Sick. Is there anything else you're trying to do? Uh, not that I can think of at the moment, but maybe get some more stuff signed, hopefully. I'm not sure. We'll see. If you, if you had to rate your experience this weekend on a scale of like 1 to 10, how are you feeling? I'd give it a solid 8.5, honestly, like an enthusiastic 8.5. It wasn't nothing, like it was not something that blew me out of the water, so not a 10 or anything, but I have been having a pretty positive experience so far, so a good, enthusiastic 8.5 is what I would give it out of 10. All right, well, thanks for chatting with me. Absolutely, my pleasure.
0: Hey, what, what's your name? My name is Kevin. Which, uh, why are you here at MagicCon Chicago,
6: Kevin?
7: I'm here to see some friends, um, play Magic in one piece, sell some cards, uh, have some experiences Been feel good.
0: Yeah, the first couple conversations I had with people were on Saturday. So they kind of had like, oh, I wanted to do this. I've gotten to do this. I still want to do this. Now we're on Sunday. We're running out of time. Have you achieved your dreams? Are there things on the list you definitely still have to do?
7: I only had the unknown event and that was my only event. I got paired with Jimmy Wong, which was kind of wild. Did you win? Nope. I got stuck on three lands.
0: <laughs> That's uh, classic.
7: Yeah, it was cool. But, uh, yeah, I got to see a bunch of my friends, got to make some new friends. It was great. That's really all I wanted to do at these things. And it was two hours away from my house, so dream come
0: where, where are you from?
7: Kalamazoo, Michigan. That's only a two-hour drive? Two and a half, yeah. It's
0: kind of crazy. Indiana <laughs> is fake and doesn't exist.
7: Yeah, exactly. And then it's two hours to Detroit. It's perfect. Perfect little cool spot. You going You going home today? Going home today. Coming back next weekend for a Stardew Valley in concert.
0: Big Stardew Valley fan? It's
7: pretty good. Yeah, it's a good game. Cool. You thanks.
0: Plan? Yeah, I recently I've been on a kick, but uh, probably nice. probably done. Probably done for now. Nice. Who do
7: you who are you romancing?
0: No one. I'm an involuntary celibate in uh, the game Stardew Valley.
7: Yeah, uh, same. And also just only in the game. Only in the game.
0: Well, uh, thanks for thanks for chatting with me.
7: Thank you, thank you.
0: Hello, what's your name?
8: I'm Katie Karloff.
0: What brought you to MagicCon Chicago this weekend?
8: Um, I came here to game with my friends and uh, do the unknown event. That was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, how was the unknown event? I had a ticket, and then in classic fashion, I made contrasting plans that I wanted to do instead, so I got rid of my ticket, and you know.
8: Perfect. Uh, the Unknown event was super fun. I uh, had a really good time. The Unknown cards are super cool. They kind of changed it this year where they wanted you to do the Unknown Commanders instead of another one, uh, which made it kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, I think it was good.
0: Okay. And did you also succeed in playing a lot of games with your friends?
8: I did. I played quite a few games already. Some standards, some CEDH, some EDH, and uh, a little jump start too.
0: That is a whole lot.
8: Yeah, tons. A lot more than I thought I was going to have.
0: It is currently the end of the day on Sunday. They're kicking everyone out of here in like an hour. Of course, I'm sure the party is going to keep going somewhere else. But would you say that you have been satisfied with your weekend at MagicCon Chicago?
8: Yes, thoroughly satisfied and loving all of my decks that I got to play.
0: Which was your favorite of the weekend?
8: My favorite deck right now is... uh, Ooh, that's a good question. I'm really enjoying playing standard right now. It's kind of weird. I have a Gruel Dinos standard deck that I'm competing with right now, and it's been awesome. It's been so fun.
0: Sweet. Well, I love to hear it. Thanks for talking to me for a minute and a half.
9: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Hi, what's your name?
9: My name is Hibba. Uh,
0: what uh, What brought you to Magic on Chicago this weekend?
9: Uh, my partner, Alana.
0: Oh, so you're not here on your own volition
9: no but i'm here to convert magic players into playing one piece if they can juggle both games
0: okay so how far did you come to accomplish this proselytizing mission
9: i'm pretty sure i have like a handful of people interested in playing one piece now Maybe okay 5 6
0: 5 or 6 how many did you show it to
9: I think about five or six, honestly.
0: Okay, that's a pretty great win rate. That's a yeah. pretty, pretty great hit rate. It was that your entire goal in coming this weekend?
9: Absolutely. And, and buying knick-knacks and dumb stuff.
0: Have you succeeded in knick-knacks and dumb stuff?
9: Yes. But I think this place needs more knick-knacks, though.
0: Yeah, the all the knick-knacks sold out. hmm So, would you say, then, you were completely satisfied with your experience... At Magic on Chicago.
9: Oh, absolutely.
0: Uh, and did you play a single game of Magic all weekend long?
9: Yes. I played Dual Commander. What? What? what
0: French Commander?
7: 1v1 uh, Commander.
0: Did you win?
9: <laughs> no. She won, Hol- she won once. Holy shit.
0: L. Thanks for talking to me.
10: You're welcome. Hey, so, what's your name? Hi, I'm Lewis Stardust.
0: What'd you come to Magic on Chicago for?
10: I came to Magic on Chicago to teach people how to play CDH, uh, meet and greet with our amazing fans for Sky babies, and play a lot of magic.
0: Okay, so I participated in the CDH, like learn to play CDH event. But for those who didn't know what was going on, can you explain that a little bit?
10: Yeah, we gathered uh, about 14 different content creators and had them uh, teach people throughout the entire weekend. So you were there, we had Playing With Power, we had uh, Play To Win, Comedian MTG, a bunch of different people there. And we sat down two different content creators at each table with spots for two players to either come play with their favorite content creators or learn how to play Commander, s- specifically CDH for the first time. Uh, we had some extra decks for new players and mini primers so that they could learn the decks and have a good time playing.
0: And you think that went well?
10: I think it was really good. We had a very full table all day, actually eight tables technically, all day from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. and we had a crowd of 30 plus people watching at any given time, so it was great.
0: How would you say you did on your other goals for the weekend?
10: I think my other girls were good. We had a really busy line for the meet and greets. Uh, other than that, I was able to like go see artists that I wanted to do, and I also got to shop around and really like experience the con, which I normally don't get to do because I'm just stuck playing magic. So I got to see everything and also play magic, which was nice.
0: So you would say you had a great time this weekend?
10: I had an absolutely poggers time this weekend.
0: What was the worst part of your weekend? That's that's the secret question.
10: Yeah, I, I just said Poggers <laughs> at this event. That's probably the worst part. No, I don't think it was the worst part. It was actually like one of the better Magic Cons I've been to. So worst part is it's over, Cal. That's the saddest part. It's the worst part.
0: Yes, now that we're here at nearly uh, 5 p.m. Uh, almost, aka almost closing time on Sunday for Magic Con Chicago. What are, what are the vibes?
10: The vibes are immaculate. The vibes are, I want a good sandwich, and I need a nap after this. That's the vibes.
0: All right, thank you for talking to me for
3: exactly two minutes.
10: (laughs) Okay, thank you, bye.
3: Hey, what's your name? Ryan Nicholas, a.k.a. Tron is bad. Wait, Tron is bad? Tron is bad. Tron is bad? Tron is bad.
0: Can you explain the tattoo on your face that I see of seven generic mana then? Uh, It's the classified
3: information. Okay, so you're here at MagicCon Chicago. Yeah. How far did you come to come to MagicCon Chicago? Uh, I came from the East Coast, Greater Philly area, so like a two-hour flight. Not, take. It's not that bad. Not bad, nah. So what would you say that you had a goal in coming this weekend? Yeah, honestly. Uh, this con compared to Vegas, Minneapolis, where <clears throat> a lot of us, myself included, just did more work than like having fun and hanging out. This one, realistically, I only... Participated in the Magicon fashion show, first of his kind by the way, shout out Talia Vest, thank you. Um, that and my meet and greet at 2 o'clock which just happened. Uh, that's all I did. So, but then past that, did you accomplish everything that you wanted to accomplish? Did you have a great time? I did. Did you vibe? I, I vibed. I chilled and I vibed and I, I caught everyone's vibes from across the floor. It was great
0: what your been your favorite part about this weekend?
3: Uh, realistically, the fact that everyone kind of just like was chilling. Everyone seemed a lot more relaxed at this con comparatively speaking than the other ones. I felt like it was just a lot more fun. Even though we're all ass to elbows in here. Uh yeah, that just uh All right, I'm going to give you my hot take real quick. That was a little bit of I'm a leading gonna, question. I'm I'm just going to give you my hot take real quick. Cop, cop told me to give a hot take, so I'll just say my hot take because it's already on Twitter. It's out in the open. Why would you have a free play command zone that's completely filled it right in front of the Pro Tour playing very serious magic? It was crazy, and everyone's like bone to bone, elbow to elbow, but, you know, that's it. Yeah, for Fuller Context listener, uh, the arrangement of the, the hall
0: is a little bit strange in that the command zone is as close as possible to the pro tour area as possible. Is as far away as possible from the main stage as possible. The thing that is also closest to the main stage is where they were holding events like the standard seventy-five k and the secret layer
3: showdowns. It make it make sense. Um, I can't. I'm not Reed Pop. That's you know what. I would not want to be Reed Pop. But shout out Magic. So if you would change anything next time, it would be uh, a get, bit the, more space. Get, the, get a little more space.
0: Get that Pro Tour uh, where it can be a little more...
3: privatized and a little quieter because that is like... Think of it this way. For those listening and and aren't really um, involved or uh, have watched Competitive Magic, it's a lot like golf. It's very quiet. People are trying to concentrate. If I was playing the Pro Tour, I would not want a bunch of screaming players right in front of us while i'm trying to make my land drop on turn four one of my friends that was participating in the uh pro tour said that they missed their fourth land drop because they couldn't pay attention which was crazy
0: Yeah, it's kind of rough that's like it's
3: cool as cool as people cheering for like game nights live is that's that's kind of that's kind of obnoxious i I, I love it and I, i agree but yeah just more space and uh more um more direct and organized space all right, well, thanks for chatting with me for exactly three minutes and some change. Thank you for having me, although you asked me for two minutes. Uh... All right, can you give me your names?
2: Hi, my name is Spencer. I'm Roland. And I'm Lunchbox. Lunchbox? Lunchbox. Okay, I'll take that. Um, what
0: made you come out to MagicCon Chicago this weekend?
2: I've been playing for 13 years. This is my first MagicCon. It was only 90 minutes away, so figured why not make a weekend out of it. Yeah, very similar. Been playing for like ten years, and we get to meet a bunch of people that live in
0: the other parts of the world that we don't get to see.
6: Yeah, playing for ten years as well. About as long as Roland. Actually, good friends with both Spencer and Roland online. Finally, coming out to meet them and be able to record some YouTube and Twitch stuff with them as well because we're all doing YouTube together.
2: Oh, sweet! So this is a little this is a little like online meetup going on here. Yeah, first yeah. first time meeting uh, lunch in real life. So it's one of the first not toxic online meetups of all time, it's sick.
6: Yeah, it's just been a blast to meet everyone, it's been so fun, it's my first Command Fest as well, but glad to have finally met up with two friends that I've talked with for so long online. It's just truly incredible.
0: Did you say that you had, like, coming into the weekend, did you really have any other goals or dreams for the weekend beyond, like, meeting up or anything like that?
6: Well, I wanted to 100% de-proxy my Daxos the Returned Enchantress stack deck, and I was successful in doing so, so I'd say let's go. I also got a bunch of signatures from amazing content creators and other personalities,
1: so it was great. I wanted to sell my binder, and hopefully it would be enough to deproxy proxy Tivit. And it was exactly enough to de-proxy Tivit, and I'm very happy about it. Funny how that
3: always works. Yeah,
2: right? It's almost like the universe wanted me to do it. <laughs> uh, I was looking to meet a bunch of content creators. I made a dumb custom shirt from uh, with Ben Wheeler's face on it from LLRRR. And uh, we, st- he- we saw it Friday, like, we were just hanging out, um, and he popped over, and we got to take a picture with our dumb shirts on. So, I don't know, got to meet a bunch of content creators and played hours of Magic. like Days of Magic. Per- yeah, 80 days of magic. My time was playing Magic. <laughs> so, we're here, it's, uh,
0: it's, it's 4 p.m. on the final day, they're going to kick everyone out in uh, about two hours. I'm about to leave. The end of the weekend is here, you've been here for like three, three and a half days, whatever. Is there anything you wish you could have done that you didn't get to? I'll start here. But I couldn't know that I could have... Yeah, I wanted to play a lot of the ticketed events. We were so, like, wanting to meet everybody and hang out that we didn't really do a lot of the actual ticketed stuff.
5: And maybe the artists. the artist lines were like three hours long and I didn't get anything signed.
6: Unfortunately, I waited too long during the initial signups to get into the events, so I didn't get to do Gavin Verhey's uh, event. But I hope to do it next time at the next Magic Con I'm at. But other than that, I got to do pretty much everything I needed to do.
2: Yeah, it's wild. I feel like if you choose to spend your time a certain way, you could have three separate con experiences in one weekend. So, like, we did a lot more of the social stuff. I did a couple ticketed events, but I feel like I could have spent all day Saturday just, like, looking through vendors. So I just want to go to another one so that I can have con B, and then we'll do con C at the next one, and then I'll have done all the things.
0: Well, my next question was going to be if y'all would uh, come back again. But two of the three of you already said it, and you were also nodding a
6: lot. So... (laughs) On a way out, do you have anything else to add? Uh, just stay happy and love one another. It's what our community is about. It's called The Gathering for a reason. Just There's so much hate within our community, and it just needs to stop. Just We're all here to have fun. We're all a bunch of nerds sweating it out. Just give a shit about one another. Don't be a dick. Come on now.
0: <laughs> and boy, were we sweating this weekend. <laughs> Be nice to each other. Also, like, if you're going to run one of these, just add, like, 50 more tables. That would
2: probably, probably be the best-case scenario, 50 more tables. Otherwise, it was perfect. I, that's hard to follow up. Yeah, don't be a dick. I'll be the short one. Uh, that's all. That's all I got. Thanks a lot.
0: MagicCon Chicago wasn't all fun in games though. Um, those are all the ones that I recorded live on site and of course with me being a commander player, me being a creator, I spent time around the people who were hanging out, the creators and the people who were playing commander. Uh, what I, Who I didn't get a chance to talk to were people who were participating a lot in the competitive events and they definitely had some different experiences, especially those like this one. Um, we're going to start off with Nicole, talking about her experience playing in the standard 75K, and then I have some other ones as well that I'm going to play right after about playing Magic competitively at
3: Magic on Chicago this weekend. I'm Nicole, and in rounds three, four, and five, it was impossible to focus. In round three, my opponent was new to competitive Magic. We had multiple communication issues during like the loud noises. During some of the judge calls, we couldn't hear the judges it just it wasn't fair to us in rounds 4 and 5 i just could not focus there was so much loud noise i lost both rounds and i, I believe that i would have had a a better chance of pre- winning those matches if we were in a normal tournament setting without booming preview panels and game nights live in the background i hope this changes for future future events because it's just not tenable for a competitive uh, setting
11: Hello all, I'm Adam Wozman-Roses, better known as Adam Wozman on both MTGO and Twitter. I wanted the chance to speak about this event from the perspective of a competitive player not playing in the Pro Tour. For players who did not attend, I will briefly describe the layout of the event hall. In the opening archway before the main event hall, there was the Pro Tour itself. As you enter the main hall to the left, you have a massive commander area, while to the right you have various artists and personalities to meet. As you venture further back, there are the mid-tier events, such as tournament cups, winter boxes, and the like. To the right of this, you will find various food options that I'm told were better than the typical fare you find in tournament halls, though we eat very little during events, so I cannot confirm this. I will say that the water stations that were set up through the venue were very helpful and I did quite appreciate. The back of the hall is where the problems start to arise. In the back, you have all of the most competitive events, such as the standard 75K, the limited Pro Tour qualifier, the modern secret lair showdowns to qualify for your chance to win a $45,000 card in addition to the $2,000 promos you get for going 5-0. Directly to its right, only a handful of feet away, or meters, if you prefer, is the main event stage. At this stage, there are card previews, game nights live, and various other activities accompanied by hundreds of people screaming at the top of their lungs during the tournament play. This screaming echoed throughout the entire hall, easily overtaking any ongoing conversations or matches happening in the venue, from the 75k in the back to the casual commander games up front. This made communication and concentration almost impossible, and for someone with sensory sensitivities such as myself. Made it completely overwhelming to the point that I almost dropped at 3 from the 75k. Another oversight with the event is trying to register for events. It was c- extremely complicated to register for events, and any announcements about regulations were completely overshadowed by whatever was happening on the main stage. A friend was having trouble navigating the website to register for the 5 p.m. modern secret lair showdown and went to the stage at roughly 4.03 p.m., but was turned away because, quote, entry closed at 4 o'clock. During the showdowns on Friday, you could simply write that you were registering the same list as the event prior, and a different friend did this on Saturday and was given a game loss eventually because they were no longer accepting that as a list and it was announced during the ruckus of the event hall. In conclusion, though the events themselves were well run, the overall tournament experience was miserable and so long as no changes are made, I would never go back to this event until the event organizers admit their mistakes and make notable progress towards improving the event and its layout.
4: Hey everyone, my name is Elliot Raff, Uh, I'm a level 4 magic judge and also a competitive player. I was lucky enough to judge my first Tour this weekend, and it was just a phenomenal experience. Not only is it the highest level of competition that there is, but because of that, you get the opportunity to work with some of the best judges from around the world. It's really just uh, an amazing thing to be able to watch high level magic and converse with people who are experienced and smart, but it's also an awesome responsibility. You know, having played in a pro tour myself, I know the difference that every judge call can make and the responsibility that the judges have to get every call right. You know, we try to do that as best we can with every tournament, regardless of the level, but it, there's something additional that that responsibility takes on when you're playing for such high stakes. It was really a thrill to be able to answer calls for some of the best players in the world and help run a tournament of that magnitude. And I even got to be the person calling and directing the draft on Friday morning to kick everything off. And it was just an honor to be there and to be working with such great people all around you. It really brings out the best in you and you feel the gravity of the situation regardless of whether or not you're a player or a judge. I really hope to get back soon and keep being able to help out with tournaments of that caliber for a long time. Thank you so much to
0: those of you who spoke to me or who sent me some recordings after the fact, talking about your time at magic con Chicago. Uh, these events are obviously so special to so many people and obviously also have some great ways in which they could improve. I personally had a great time. Um, I love coming to these events and it touched me greatly to hear a shocking amount of people tell me that they enjoy listening to the herald's horn um one person even brought me uh, a gamecube jewel the top of the gamecube that holds a logo on some models of the gamecube those are actually removable so somebody brought me a gamecube jewel and asked me to sign it that was definitely one of the highlights of my weekends um yeah go to a magic con have fun and here's hoping that they will improve in the future Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Herald's Horn. If you liked what you heard, consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you really enjoyed listening, you can support us directly on Patreon. I'll even send you a sticker in the mail. Every little bit helps us make the best podcast we can for you. Check out the link in the podcast description. Herald's Horn is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Cal Jones. The co-hosts are Emma Partlow. Lexi, better known as Black Girl Mage, and Dan, better known as Moderately Anonymous MTG. All of our info also lives in the podcast description. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Harold's Horn and any place else you can find us too. If you want to reach out to me about the podcast, hit up editorial at haroldshorn.com. I'd love to see your email. Thanks again for listening to the Harold's Horn. We're having so much fun creating it. See you in two weeks.
2: Hey, ex- excuse me. Can you tell me your full name? Jen.
0: What, what, what brought you to MagicCon Chicago? A bus. What, where do you come from?
9: Columbus, Ohio.
0: What, uh, what made you say, dang, um, MagicCon Chicago, I really got to come to MagicCon Chicago?
9: I wanted to meet Shivam's wife.
0: How was that experience?
9: I haven't met her yet.
0: Is there anything else you're looking forward to this weekend? It's uh, midday on Saturday. Lots of con left. What are you looking forward to? Um,
9: Well, I think I'm going to go drink beer with some cool people when uh, this game is over.
0: Awesome. Thank you.